This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The share it with a friend deal. Even if that friend is yourself. Your McDonald's, your rules. Live your best morning with BOGO breakfast sandwiches only on the McDonald's app. Now buy one bacon, egg, and cheese McGriddles or sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and get a second one free. Valid for item of equal or lesser value. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one per day. Excludes one, two, three dollar menu. Visit McDonald's app for details. Download and registration required. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. This is the Player Rating Show. Joining me today is Max Cohen. This episode will be discussing the performances of the Fulham players against Bournemouth. We have a good amount to discuss. Before I do anything else, I have to welcome my co-host back to the show. We're going to rip the Band-Aid off one more time, my friend. Mr. Cohen, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing all right. You know, each show tends to be a little bit better in terms of my mood, hopefully can finally put this match behind us this weekend. Um, and then, you know, turn to City away yep. in midweek. That's going to be a fantastic opportunity to crash out of the cup. And then uh, Huddersfield on Monday night, which is a great opportunity to uh, lose to another relegation contender. Oh, let's not talk about that. But we have time to talk about Huddersfield Town. Real quick on Manchester City. I'm one that has – I've said this. I've said this to several people. I wouldn't be against playing – an the under-23 team against Manchester City. What, what do you make of that? Well, Would you put a there? strong side? I mean, why stop there? I think you play the under-18s. I think you play Harvey Elliott. I think you play, you know, if Ryan Sessione has a younger brother and even a cousin who's 12, 13, <laughs> throw him in there. I, mean, I, I wouldn't stop the under-23s. I'd go as young as we are, are we legally allowed to, honestly, and, and just play a really promising team of youngsters because I think we're going to lose no matter what. So it's, you want to get players' experience. Okay, very good then, my friend. All right, we're going to go through the play ratings, but before we do, there's an interesting article by Ryan O'Donovan on Football.London that I think will be a good jumping-off point for us talking about his player ratings and then getting your ratings as well. 
and it is entitled Fulham Talking Points as Shah Khan Watches On and Tom Kenny Returns to Action. So there are several talking points. The first one is that Shah Khan was in, in attendance at Craven Cottage. I, I don't want to spend time on that because uh, I want to go specifically into the match, but I just want to mention that was his first talking point. His second talking point that I find interesting that I'm going to read the excerpt from, want to get your thoughts on because I think this will go perfectly with what we're about to talk about when we're talking about player ratings. This is what Ryan wrote. Individual mistakes cost Fulham once more. Fulham had returned to basics in training last week, concentrating on a 4-4-1-1 system that Jokanovic hoped would cut out the easy goals they had been conceding in the previous nine games. It looked like it was working too. The side had eliminated the large spaces between midfield and defense and looked compact until a clumsy and silly foul by Timothy Fosu Mensa sent Callum Wilson tumbling in the box. Yet again, an individual mistake had cost the side dear, with Wilson putting the ball into Sergio Rico's net to make it 10 games without a clean sheet in the league for the team. It's a serious issue and one that is far harder to sort than the likes of defensive shape or defending balls into the box. The blame falls on Jokanovic as the head coach, but the players need to cut the basic errors out and start proving that they themselves are able to play at the highest level. Those players need to stand up and be counted, and they can take a, a leaf out of Bournemouth's book on that front. They were well-drilled, communicated constantly, and played as a unit, something that Fulham have so far failed to do. Okay, those are comments from Ryan O'Donnell. Donovan, that's a talking point. I like this talking point. Some really strong stuff there. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's a great point that, you know, that we have to face when we're discussing Fulham's shortcomings is that it's not necessarily something that any um, coach or manager can change. These individual mistakes just seem to completely hamper us. And I know I remember Ryan did a great piece uh, after the Cardiff match, basically analyzing every single goal we've conceded this year and attributing (laughs) how many were individual mistakes and it's staggering, you know, it's staggering how many goals are down to just people switching off inexplicably. Professionals should not be doing this. And it's, it's hard to, to, to find a, a solution to stop that. And I, I think his initial analysis was actually really spot on because yeah. I thought really before the clumsy penalty challenge, when, you know, the striker's going nowhere, Fossa Mensa, there's no reason for him to dive in like that. That's just silly. But we had looked pretty compact. And without conceding that goal, I mean, 15 minutes in or however early on it was, the match is totally different. If we get to halftime, nil-nil. If we get to the hour mark, nil-nil. Playing compact, playing differently, we're having a very different conversation, you know, um, on Tuesday morning. So it's just a lot of things you have to take into account. But one of them is you can set up so differently in shape. You can try different mentality in training. But at at the end of the day, if a player is going to make a silly individual mistake like we have all season, all that's just going to be negated. It's execution. You can do everything right, but if you don't execute and if you make a mistake, it can cost you. And it just happens, like you said, it just over and over and over again. And this comes down to the players. The players, like Ryan was said, need to be counted on to fix their issues and take responsibility and not have these silly errors that they're having each and every match. Every time it kills them. It would not kill them in the championship like it does in the Premier League, Max. They have to get that mentality into their brains that you're playing in the Premier League and you cannot make these errors or it's going to cost you, and it did in this match. And what's interesting, he mentions 
at the very end talking about the difference with Bournemouth because they were disciplined. They don't make these mistakes, Max. So I think if you want to look at a team to model right now for Fulham, look at Eddie Howe and Bournemouth. I know it's taken them a while to get to where they are, but they were an attacking side when they came into the league. They have a style, but they've been able to be more, I guess we could say disciplined, like I mentioned, to be able to marry the two, to be able to not make the silly errors and be attacking. Yeah, and, and, and fair play to Bournemouth because I think they really are a model, as you mentioned, of how to come into the league and, and yes, stay in the league and, and, and stick to your guns. But let's also um, appreciate, and I don't think I mentioned this enough yesterday, just how good of a side they really are. Well, they you, are. You look at David Brooks. We didn't Brooks. say that enough. Yeah. I'm glad that you're saying yeah. that now. Yeah, because, I mean, David Brooks um, is going to be one of those – he's one of those promising attacking talents, I think, uh, in, in British football. I would not be surprised if a top-four club snaps him up in the next year year or year and a half because he's going to be superb. I mean, Callum Wilson is an amazing finisher. We saw that on the weekend. And players like Ryan Frazier, um, Lewis Cook, these are very young, exciting British talents. Uh, Jefferson Lerma, another very impressive signing in the center of midfield for them. So this team, I mean, I think when we think Bournemouth, we think a lot of things, but not necessarily a team who's going to come to the cottage and dominate us 3-0. But in many ways, their lineup and their manager and their kind of blueprint for success makes that result a little less surprising because I think we have to realize they are a quality team. That, that being said, I don't think it's a team we should be losing 3-0 to. It no. just shows how good the Premier League is from top to bottom. It is. And like Mike was talking about when we did the post-match show, it's a different Premier League now. I was thinking about this, Max. Where are the Wiggins? Where are the Blackburns? <laughs> they don't exist anymore. Exactly. Yeah, and those teams don't exist anymore. And they're replaced... I'm talking um, about in the Premier League. I, yeah. They, of course, exist. No, no, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I totally understand what you mean. The sense of teams who are struggling towards the bottom that don't have the resources to buy players like, you know, Jefferson Lerma. That's um, right. Or, or David Brooks, which, which Bournemouth have done. I mean, even Burnley, you know, they bought Stefan DeFore, a very quality attacking player. They bought the likes of Matej Vidra. So, I mean, even the, these teams towards the bottom of the league have the resources uh, to purchase players that, you know, back in the early 2010s, Teams like Wigan and Blackburn couldn't. Exactly. And that's why the competition is even harder. You don't have an easy game. Not that you had one back then, but there were teams that were really below you that you could feel very confident that you could get a victory against. And it certainly is not like that right now. And that would include, believe it or not, Cardiff. And I'm shocked that I have to say that. But even them, it's hard to beat. All right, my friend, let's go to another talking point. This one is one I definitely want your thoughts on. We talked about this. Tom Kearney makes his return. This is what Ryan wrote. If there's a positive to take from Saturday, the return of Tom Kearney is it. Fulham have lacked creativity without their captain. It was clear from the moment he came on just how much the team rely on him to set their attacks up. Everything came through him as he looked left to right, trying to pick gaps between Bournemouth's midfield and defense. Although Eddie Howe recognized this and reorganized his side to sit deep and remove any spaces he could exploit. That said, Jean-Michael Serri looked like he had been released by the presence of Kearney, and we saw the Ivorian get forward more and try to get things happening on the edge of the box. Kearney makes Fulham a better team. There's no doubting it. And just having him back for the six-pointer against Huddersfield Town next Monday will be massive for his side's chances. Everything that I've been talking about, Kearney, basically Ryan is writing about, and I want to thank him for writing it because I've been saying they need him back. We saw the influence. I know it's in a small 
packet of time there. But I said that you would see the influence that he would have on Sevy. We saw that. Your thoughts on what Ryan wrote here about Tom Kearney? Yeah, I'm with you, Russ. It's it really really rings true because I think Sevy had come into a lot of criticism in, in the past couple of weeks, and from from me included, because I really thought he was not at all performing to the level we expected of him. And I think after we saw when Kearney came on, that's right. Uh, due in a large part to the absence of Kearney, you know, center midfield is such an interesting position because the relationships of the players within that either midfield two or midfield three yep. is so vital to how players play. And I think it's kind of unique in, in terms of in football of how a lot of positions are more individual based, but in the center midfield, the, the tandems and how players play in relation to each other is really determines their performances. And we saw that, you know, with when Sari plays next to McDonald, he's a completely different player than when he plays next to Carey. So that, totally. that addition is, is going to be a boost. And I was actually surprised because I think, to be fair, I mean, I, I remember knows Carey is so vital to how full play, and that's obvious. But if you're going to be honest, I think towards the first couple matches of the season before Carey got injured, with the exception of the Burley match, I don't think he played necessarily up to his potential. I think he took some time getting used to the Premier League, um, certainly in the Palace match. Um, he was not really where he expected him to be. So I think when he came back and he's showing that he's gone up to speed, the training sessions have done him well, and I really expect him to push on in, in, in the following parts of the season because in the past we've seen he can be a bit of a slow starter. He can, and uh, I'm glad that you brought up the Burnley match because I think that's where you saw him as the player that we expect him to be. You know, And it was so unfortunate that he got injured during that match. And I think Fulham have suffered since then. And I'm glad that you talked about the relationships in central midfield because we can go back and we can talk about in the past with Fulham, say, with Kevin McDonald and Scott Parker, how that really didn't work. And then Savisa changed it. And when you got the right mix, players playing off of each other, how the midfield three flourished together. And I think Jean-Michael Seri and Tom Kearney are going to have a, an incredible partnership. And it could be a three at some point. Maybe it's going to be Anguisa as that third person. Who knows? But I, what I've noticed already is that Seri is a different player with Kearney, and thankfully he has returned. Let's hope that he stays healthy, my friend. All right, here's another talking point. Alexander Mitrovic was isolated as Fulham lacked ideas up top. This is what Ryan wrote. Having scored five goals in the Premier League this season, Alexander Mitrovic cut a lonely and frustrated figure for the second week in a row. He was left isolated for large periods of the game as Fulham struggled to get the ball to him in any dangerous positions and spent more time defending than he did causing Bournemouth problems. It was the same against Cardiff City last week. There was very little service to the striker, meaning he came deeper and deeper to get the ball, leaving Fulham with no striker. Mitrovic is best used up top with service into his feet or in the air to bully defenders and bring his wide men into the game. And that's just not been happening in recent weeks. Earlier in the season, they created chances and looked like they could score goals, but they've been lacking in recent weeks and they just don't seem to be able to get the ball to the Serbian like they have been doing. For all the defensive concerns, this is something else that needs addressing as Fulham take on Manchester City in the Carabao Cup and Huddersfield in the league. If Fulham can't score, they don't win. Great points by Ryan. And this goes back to my thoughts about the last match, Max, where I thought that Savisa, because he wanted to be so solid defensively, abandoned 
his style, his attacking style. And I think Mitrovic is the part of the effect of that because he is isolated. There is no flow. There is no play up to him. He has to come deeper. This is a concern because when he is on fire, as we always say, Fulham are on fire. They need to marry the two, the defensive shape, along with our flow to get the ball up to Mitro. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think on the flip side, one thing I would say positive about Mitro's performance, which I think Ryan prevents is more of a negative, and I can see how it's a negative, but I'd argue that when he comes back and, and tries to get involved more, I was impressed by that. You know, obviously that's because he's actually oh, he's a team top. player. He's a team player, but I thought there were times against Bournemouth when he really got stuck in in the, in the defensive third, and of course he obviously should not be doing that. You know, that's not the role your striker should play. But I think it showed a really good willingness to try to make something happen. Because when you're a yeah. striker, it's very easy to be isolated and say, listen, the ball's not coming out to me. What am I going to do? This match is terrible. But he took the initiative, tried to help out, won the ball back on a number of occasions, and then tried to start his own attacks, which um, for me was really impressive to see from Mitrovic. That shows his dedication. We know yeah. how determined he is. Um, but on, on the flip side, as I think you guys mentioned, which is true, he should never have to be in that position in the first place. No. And no. It, 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 it's a bigger point, which Ryan alludes to, that – you know, we can talk all we want about defensive uh, mistakes, and that's kind of what's dominated the conversation, and rightfully so. But also, the attack hasn't been, hasn't been good enough either uh, no. in, in recent weeks. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it beggars the question, you know, when in the last two matches, right, I think we can both say Salisa tried different formations to try to make some more defensive solid, which was the four center backs uh, against Cardiff and the four four one one against Bournemouth. Yeah. Those are two different ways to be more defensively solid. And in those two matches... We can see the four goals to Cardiff and three goals to Bournemouth at home. So I think we can probably say that is not working and making us any more defensive solid. It's not. And uh, I'm glad that we're talking about it in these terms because when you look at Fulham, and uh, we've talked about the possession-based style, and, and you even mentioned that the best form of defense for Fulham can be our possession because then you don't have the ball and if you're scoring the goals, you're and keeping the ball away from the other side, then you're making your defense better because they don't have to defend as much, and you're you're playing ahead. You're playing. You're controlling the game. So in this case, when you're not doing that, and when you're not getting the ball to Mitrovic, I think it affects everything. You know, and again, it, he's trying so hard to fix the defense. I think it's also affecting what's going on up front and just our style of play. And one other thing I want to say about this, because I can relate to this, these three words, and you're going to laugh when I say them, but it's do your job. Okay. You know why I'm saying it? Because I think part of the problem is that certain players are trying to do too much. I think Mitrovic is trying to do too much and it's because he needs his teammates to do their job. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I, I hear you, but I'd rather, I'd rather players do too much than do too little. Okay, which is what I think Tim Ream, you know, is talking about. I know, um, I know. So, but I, th- I think we can all agree there are quite a bit of problems uh, at Craven College at the moment, and <laughs> not even enough to, to discuss in an hour, two hours, three hours long show. I don't think no. we can even get through that meeting. We did a massive, massive show. <laughs> we could go on and on, my friend. All because right, it's, let's... It's, it's it's just literally like a whack a mole, Russ. Every time we talk about one problem, defensive issues, attacking issues pop up. That's right. That's we talk right. about this... not doing enough effort and players doing too much. Yeah. This, this is uh, 
<laughs> it's worrying times. That's funny. That's funny you you mentioned it like that, my friend. All right, let's uh, go through the player ratings from Ryan O'Donovan. We can do this fairly quickly. Let's start with Sergio Rico. He gives him a five. This is what he wrote. Went comfortable with the ball at his feet and came for a cross as well. Made a great save to deny Simon Francis a wonder goal, and I agree with that. Do you agree or disagree with the rating of five? I have a lot to say about the goalkeepers, but, you know, at, at I this know. moment, I'm going to be honest, I, I didn't see enough from Sergio Rico. You cannot evaluate a goalkeeper after one performance, which is, is, is just a fact of the matter. I think his save against Simon Francis, superb. You know, I'm going to be a Ben Nelly homer here and say, that's just what Ben Nelly did against Bellerin against Arsenal. So yep. both keepers have that in, in their locker. What I would say, I think his, his, with his ball at the feet, Rico does look more comfortable than Ben Nelly. That's a yeah, fact, he does. And that's impressive. Um, but I would say, you know, Callum Wilson's goal one-on-one uh, for the third goal didn't even dive. And for, you know, David Brooks' goal to make it 2-0, he kind of half came out, half stood in his goal, went through his legs. That's a bit disappointing. I'd say four, but again, okay. that's me being too harsh, I'd say. <laughs> at the end of the day, we're going to have to see more from Rico to truly get a good sense of what he's going to be like at Fulham. Okay, very good. Let's go to Timothy Fosu-Mensa. Ryan O'Donovan gives him a five. Clumsy challenge on Wilson to give away the penalty. Did a decent job of getting forward, but like most of his side, couldn't do anything in the final third. Had a good second half, however, and looked strong on the ball. Do you agree or disagree with a five for Timothy Fosu-Mensa? I would go slightly lower, just say a four, solely on the fact that his mistake really, I think, killed the match for us. Without that senseless challenge, the match is scoreless for much longer. It's a totally different story. I do think it was bright attacking. He got into some really good positions, but again, could not find that final ball. So I'm going to say four. Okay. Let's now go to Tim Ream and Dennis O'Doyle. I'll give them both to you at the same time. Tim Ream is given a five by Ryan O'Donovan. This is what he says. A couple of nervy moments, but a decent first half from the American. Moved the ball well, but was opened up along with McDonald for the second goal through a nice Frazier pass. Dennis Adoy, he gives a four. A decent first half gave way to some sloppy moments in the second, and it was his loose pass to McDonald that saw the midfielder pick up his second yellow. Do you agree or disagree with the ratings for Reem and Adoy? I, I think those are largely fair. Um, I think... The real key moment between these two was, of course, the, uh, the Adoy pass, the square pass to McDonald that led to the setting off. That just jumps out to me as uh, just something you cannot do uh, at, at the back. You cannot mess around with it like that. We're going to get punished. And as well, I think the whole center backs uh, for that second goal were totally caught out of position. And those are really two aspects I'll focus on. So I think a five for Reem, four for Adoy, th- those are good ratings. Okay. Let's go to Maxime LeMarchand. Ryan O'Donovan gives him a four. This is what he wrote. His delivery into the box was poor and not the service his front men required. Defended reasonably well, but was subbed at 59 minutes for Tom Kearney. Your thoughts? Four. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go four as well. I think I, I don't like him as a left back. I think we can agree if you're a left back in the model game, you have to have some degree of attacking um, mouse or, or, or attacking uh, capabilities, and he really does not have that. You know, the, Ryan mentioned the deliveries. That's what really jumps out, you know. Because how, why we did so well last season was because our two fullbacks, Fredericks and Target, were so good attacking. And I think Fredericks wasn't that great of putting in balls in the box. But Target certainly was very, very dangerous of whipping balls into the area. We missed and, that. We, and we totally miss that, Russ. Totally miss it. 
And that's why I've said, I wrote an article this week saying, listen, bring, bring Target back. <laughs> and of course, it's a complete pipe team because Mark Hughes is a complete idiot. And is a complete, you know, we can say many words about him, but he's never going to sell us. No, he's years. not. He just hates us. And, you know, whatever. That's who Mark Hughes is as a person. Hopefully he'll be sacked soon. But the point is, Target's not getting any games out of Southampton. I know. And he it, should come to Fulham. It makes sense for both parties. It makes perfect sense. But you're talking about someone that I think has a grudge against Fulham. I know he might not be ultimately calling the shots, but I think he might have some say in it. So I think that's – this is just my opinion. I personally think that uh, Mark Hughes potentially is blocking a, a Target move to Fulham. That's just my thoughts. Or, or at least over the summer, I, I felt that way. Yeah, because it makes either – you let the player play in your first team. And you say, listen, listen, Matty, you're a great young player. You're a superb left back. I'm going to start you week He's barely played for them. He's played 72 minutes the entire Premier League season. Yeah, and, and we're two months in. That's a disgrace. That's a waste of a talent. So. He's a talented player, and, and uh, I'm starting to see that we definitely miss him. I'm still hopeful for Joe Bryan, but I, I wouldn't be against uh, Fulham going in one more time for Matt Target to see if they can bring him back to Craven Cottage. I, I think he could – be a huge help. They do miss those crosses. Uh, uh, there's no doubt in that. All right, my friend, let's go to Jean-Michael Serry. Ryan O'Donovan gives him a four. Had a few nice touches and played some probing passes, but really struggled to do anything for Fulham in the final third. Looked much better with Candy next to him as he was allowed to get further forward without worrying about linking play. Was caught in possession, which led to the Bournemouth goal. Do you agree or disagree with a four? Yeah, I was actually going to say four as well because the possession point that Ryan brought up at the end is key to me. For a player who's, who's theoretically so good with the ball, so good at his passing accuracy, I remember when we signed him, was off the charts. That's what many people hailed as one of his best qualities. And he just seems at Fulham just very, very profligate. You know, gives away the ball so cheaply sometimes. The moment that obviously stands out is the Manchester City match yep. when his very poor square pass led to City scoring within you know three minutes. And then to, uh, against Bournemouth again, you saw he gave it away and led to a goal. So, of course, when Kennedy came on, we talked about it. That's when he's a different player. He just looked like a different player, yeah. Max. So hopefully that is what we're going to see um, in the next couple of matches rather than the Seri who gives the ball away. It's pretty ineffectual and doesn't really do much. Okay, very good. All right, let's talk about Kevin McDonald. You know how I feel about Kevin McDonald. I love Kevin McDonald, everything that he's given for him. But I just don't think he's good enough for this level. But I will say that Ryan O'Donovan gives him a five. This is what he had to say about Kevin's performance. Sat deeper than he did last week to cut the gap between the back four and midfield that had become a huge problem recent weeks. Was sent off after Adoy's mistake. Do you agree or disagree with a five? I'd say four, honestly. I mean, he's just not up to the pace of the Premier League. And, and we know this. Yeah. We've seen this. This isn't, this isn't anything new. And I mean, even at times in the championship, I, I was saying, listen, McDonald looks slow. He looks out of it. And that was in the championship. And imagine what it's like in the Premier League. And we don't have to imagine. We can see a week in, week out. It's just not good yeah. enough. So, I mean, I, I think obviously he's not going to play because of the, of, of the setting off. So we will see, hopefully see Angisa against okay. Huddersfield. Yeah. And maybe a good performance there will lead to a run of um, for, starts for him. I hope so. speculate, but we don't know. We don't, my friend. All right, let's go to Ryan Sessignon. Uh, Ryan O'Donovan gives him a four. Saw some action down the left in the first half, but struggled to beat his man. Didn't have any impact in the second half as he was phased out by Bournemouth's defense. I think, I think that's a bit harsh. That's a bit low for me. I would actually say 
um, either a five and a half or, or a six for him because I think he was one of our most dangerous outlets in, in that first half. I remember he really sold Ake for a number of really good fakes um, at times, putting some dangerous balls. But of course, you know, with the formation change, I think he played a little bit deeper um, after Kerry came on, after Mershon got um, taken off. So that's a bit unfair to say he got phased out by the defense. So I'd probably give him a six. Okay. Abubakar Kamara, Ryan O'Donovan gives him a three. We've talked a good amount about him. A strange performance from Kamara. He didn't do much with the ball going forward and spent more time rolling about on the floor. His second half performance saw him get the ball in good areas, but poor decision-making cost the side. Do you agree or disagree with the three for Kamara? You were talking him up a little bit on <laughs> the post-match, though, so I have yeah. a feeling you're going to go higher here. I'm going to go higher. I mean, I'm not going to go too much higher. I'll, I'll say a four and a half because at, at the end of the day, he was he was poor, I would say. But yeah. he was poor in the way that I want more Fulham players to be poor, which is at least take chances and have them not come off. Rather than not yeah. take chances and not have anything come off. Um, of course, the dive is what everyone's going to focus on. Yeah. That's regrettable. Um, but there were situations when he just ran, ran at his man and they had no chance of catching up to him. And then I remember one in, in that second half when he just completely sold Ake for dead with his pace and then was in a great position to smash the ball. No one even knows what he's doing. Just smashed it high and wide. It was almost a cross shot. He really, again, as I said, no one really knows. So he has to work in his decision making. That's clear. He has to work on his end product. But I'll at least credit him for having the impetus to at least try things when many Fulham players didn't. Okay, excellent. All right, let's go on to Andre Sherla. Ryan O'Donovan gives him a four. This is what he wrote. Had a decent effort save, but his final ball and decision-making was poor. His performance fizzled out, and he barely had any touch of the ball in the second half. Do you agree or disagree with the four? I'm going to be more harsh on him because I know it's Andre Sherla. I, I know he can do better. I'm going to give him a three because this guy, we know what he's capable of. But in oftentimes, he just drifts in and out of matches. And, and again, and I said this about Seri, um, you know, we saw why some of the Danger clubs passed up, him up. I'm going to translate that to Sherla. I think we're now seeing why Borussia Dortmund is, was willing to let him leave on a two-year loan deal. You know? This isn't a player who can play at the top level of European football anymore. This isn't even a player who can even make an impact for us right now, it seems, at times. Um, of course, we know he loves to take shots. The shots rarely go in. Um, they, when they do go in, it's, it's, it's brilliant, but he takes so many that his, his conversion rate is very low. And I think, you know, the one shot he had, it was well said by Begovic, but in truth, it was straight at him. So I, I just really want to see more from Sherla. He should really be in this match um, heavily involved, and right now he's very much on the periphery. Okay. Let's move on to Alexander Mitrovic. Ronald Dunham also gives him a four. This is what he wrote. Started the game well and looked to get involved defensively, tracking back to break up attacks. Found himself isolated for long periods of the game. Agree or disagree? Yeah, I think that's fair. Those comments are all fair. I, I just go five. That same thing, that same description for me says five because I like the way he got involved defensively. But again, you know, no real opportunities that we can point to that he should have scored in because he just wasn't really getting the service. So I think a five is fair. Okay, very good. Let's end with the substitutes. I, I want to end talking about Tom Kearney. So let's talk about Andre Frank Zambo and Gisa. Ryan O'Donovan gives him a four. He was barely on, but this is what he wrote. Looks so far off the pace despite coming on with just 10 minutes left in the game. Four. Do you agree or disagree? I know this is such a short period. Of yeah, time. I mean, I think what we see from Ryan normal times is that when a player comes on a substitute, the benchmark is five. Yeah. So if it's lower than that, higher than that, you've seen something really um, 
that's made an impression. I don't know if he was warranting a four. I think probably a five is fair, just because, as you said, he just really wasn't on the pitch that long to do anything. Yeah. Okay. And finally, let's talk about Tom Kearney. Rhino Donovan gives him a five. Saw lots of the ball after coming on, and Fulham did look better for it. But Bournemouth became more compact to cut out space. We talked about that in his talking points. Do you agree or disagree with a five for Kearney? I'm, I'm going to say six, just because I think he really changed the match for us and changed the way we played. If there was a man of the match, I would have to give it to him. Yeah. And it tells you, again, nothing against Tom Kearney, but he played a limited role coming in 60 yeah. minutes into it, and no one stood out. I would have given it to him if we were going to give man of the match just because he did have an impact. Exactly, exactly. That kind of shows you how anonymous he said no one stood out from the starting yeah. 11. No, 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 no one stood out. So we had to give it to the substitute. Because um, the impact was, was pretty stark, I really thought. Okay, very good. Okay, well, that's going to do it for the player ratings. Real quick, we talked about this at the uh, beginning of the show. We're Fulmer about to play Manchester City, and uh, I threw out the under-23s, and you were saying, hey, let's play the under-18s. <laughs> in all seriousness, to end the show, what are you expecting to see in the Carabao Cup? What do you want to see? Mm. What type of approach? Because, again, the commentary I've seen on Twitter and on social media, Facebook, wherever you go is fans are expecting, I'm not kidding, anywhere between 8 to 10 goals against <laughs> Fulham. I, and I've seen it in several places. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough because I think it's the hardest place to go in English football, uh, the Etihad. And we, I don't think we're going to go in there expecting to win, which is really an odd situation to say in modern football. You don't normally say that. But right. it's the cup, and I think without a doubt, you can't just going to say, listen, we are in the relegation zone right now. The last thing we need is, a, is a, an elongated cup campaign that's going to detract resources from the league. So I think he's going to go in there really with a very uh, changed lineup with probably one or I'd say two players at most that played against Bournemouth. I think he's going to really ring the changes completely. I think we're going to see players like uh, Steven Sassignon, Ibrahim Assise, Luca Del Torre, Luca Del Torre um, you know, players of that ilk. Maybe, maybe we see a player like, uh, like Chambers come back into the team or something yeah. like that, you know. Or one thing, Russ, which I think... Well, I'd like to see Harvey Elliott. Yeah, Harvey Elliott, for sure. And one thing which I think is really fascinating is the goalkeeper situation. Because now it's completely switched. We don't know who... It's so in flux. Oh, boy. That's, a great, that's a great point. Exactly. Because whoever starts on against City is going to tell us a lot about Lisa's really true thoughts. Because previously, right, this is Sergio Rico's competition. It was. That's third choice. Now, is Fabry now third choice? We see Fabry. <laughs> is Ben Nelly given, given a start because he's second choice? I don't know. That's, a great, that's exactly. a great point. I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's something to look for because, listen, the Huddersfield town means everything at this point right now. And I would, you know, again, I'm going in with this with the mindset. I'm going to watch it, obviously. I, I've seen people are dreading this match, and I understand why because they're expecting the hammering. Like I said, anywhere between eight to ten goals. That's why I'm suggesting, this is just my suggestion, the team that played against Millwall. Now, again, the team against Millwall will probably could potentially give up the 8 to 10 goals. But I think it could be a valuable experience for players on the periphery, like a Luca Della Torre, and maybe give an opportunity to someone like a Harvey Elliott, a Matt O'Reilly, to play at the Etihad. That's just my only thought process, because if you're going to play an Andre Sherla, and Alexander Mitrovic, Tom Kearney, those players, 
I think that if you're just asking me, I rest them because you need them at their best against Huddersfield Town. So for me, it's not that I not that I don't want to see, you know, a huge effort from Fulham against Manchester City. I'm being realistic here. I'm treating it like some managers treat it. They they treat it like a cop, like they're not going to put out their best side. In this case, I think it has to be tactical to put all of your eggs in the basket of the Huddersfield Town match. Does that make sense? No, I'm, I'm with you there. I think League Cup is certainly the least prestigious of the three competitions Fulmer playing in this year. And Listen, you're not going to win this match. Let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. Even They could put out their best side. They're not beating Manchester City if they put out their C team. Exactly. So let's just treat it as a way to see what young players can do. That's my approach. I'll be curious to see what Slavisa does here. And listen, there might be fans that disagree with me, but based on the comments I've seen about how many goals we're going to give up, how no one wants to watch it, I understand all that. I do want to watch it because I want to see the team he puts out. I want to see individual players. I know we're not going to beat Manchester City. I'm not going with that attitude. But I think it's an opportunity to see certain players play against some world-class players. So that's the way I'm looking at it. In the back of my mind, I shouldn't even be thinking about it, but I did watch Derby County beat Manchester United. But let's be honest, Manchester City is is far above the best team in England and could be one of the best teams in the world. So I could see how Derby County could pull off that upset. We're not beating Manchester City. Let's just be honest. So I go in with the attitude, let's take a look at some players and let's get ready for Huddersfield Town by resting the players that are going to be in that game. That's the way I'm looking at it, Max. I'm with you, Ross. I'm completely with you. And, you know, I think we can just hope for damage limitation. But honestly, <laughs> I'm looking forward to it because it's a truly a match considering how high the expectations have been in the past couple of Premier League matches. Yep. This is a game with literally zero expectations. There's no pressure here. Put no pressure. There's no pressure. It's almost relieving. It's almost freeing. Yeah. yeah. Because we all know what the result's going to be. We just hope that it's not as hard as we think it's going to be. So if you go in with the attitude expecting that and you try to like take a look at some players, I'm talking about from Savisa's perspective, and put your most important resources into the Huddersfield Town match, just treat it like it's, you know, again, a match to take a look at players. That's what I would do. We'll see what Savisa does. All right, my friend. Great show. The Band-Aid is completely off now, my friend. I'm feeling better now. Me too, Ross. And, you know, hopefully we just get a win some of these days because it's, it's been a while without one. Yeah. It's been too long to count. And yeah. considering last season it took us, you know, five, six months to do a show about a loss, yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a weird feeling. Yeah. And that's the Premier League for you, right? Exactly. I want to leave you with one thought that I, I found interesting. I'm glad that you mentioned the play of Bournemouth because I was thinking about that when we did our post-match show, we were, we were really focusing on everything Fulham did wrong. And maybe we should have spent a little bit more time on Bournemouth, on, on how they play, because they, they were truly good. What made me think about this, and I'll just share this quickly, and then we'll end the show. I was looking at my uh, Twitter timeline, and people are retweeting the post-match show. The most notable person that retweeted our post-match show was Asmir Begovic. Wow, that, that is class. You know, I think he realizes, you know, that we're the best podcast um, in Fulham, even as a Bournemouth fa- player. He, he knows a good podcast when he sees one. So fair play to Asmir. <laughs> I had to mention that, my friend. All right. Great show. But let's wrap this up for my co-host, 
Max Cohen. I'm Russ Coleman. Thank you, as always, for listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute, and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.